You're listening to From Passion to Profit, a show about female entrepreneurs who have built their businesses from the ground up and turned their passion into profit. These episodes share their most inner working thoughts, their journey, triumphs, and challenges. Whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, these women have valuable advice and insights to share. If you want to turn your passion into profit, this podcast is for you. I'm so excited to introduce you to Zara Watson-Young, an amazing business owner and even more phenomenal trademark attorney. Zara's story is an interesting one because as a lawyer, there's a lot at stake, but she's proven time and time again how her performance as a lawyer is just as important as her ability to show up as a founder and CEO. Sit back, relax, and tune into this episode of From Passion to Profit. So let's start from the beginning. You graduated. Where did you graduate from? Cardozo Yeshiva in Manhattan. Yes. 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 You've always been in New York and you, <laughs> yeah, you have no interest to leave. Very proud New Yorker. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> and you didn't start in the niche or industry that you're in right now when it comes to law. Yeah. No. How did you choose special education law? Okay, so we're really going back. I got into it because my youngest sister, she has a learning disability called auditory processing disorder. And at the time she was in a um, Catholic school and they didn't have the proper services for her. So my parents started this crazy mission of trying to find a proper school for her. So we were, they were, she was originally on Long Island and then we had to start our search in Manhattan. So my mom literally went on a crazy, like, you know, wild goose chase trying to find a proper school for her. We ended up having to sue the state to pay for a private special education school for her. And during that time, my mom and my parents hired a law firm. And I ended up interning at that law firm and really going through that process with them. And I said, wow, this is an amazing area. This is so rewarding. You know, I can help other parents, you know, fight the system and get their, you know, child's education paid for. So that's really the, the background. And then I started working there and I realized it was not what it seemed to be. I was no longer passionate about it. Our caseload was insane. As you can imagine, we're dealing with parents, very worried parents. So the communication, you know, a lot of high touch support and they weren't able to get that because of our caseload. There were very few attorneys, like not enough attorneys to parents, basically. So I said, this is not how I want to practice. You know, I'm not, I'm not passionate about this area of law. So I started to think about what other areas of law am I passionate about. And at that time, I had a um, lifestyle blog, a travel blog, and I love creating content. I had a lot of other um, content creator friends. And I said, they have no idea <laughs> about protecting their intellectual property, things of that sort. And I said, wow, I can combine intellectual property law and still have my blog and you know do my cre- creative things on the side. So that's really how I started in terms of intellectual property law. Yeah, really cool story. And we're going to like dive deep into those pieces. Um, Going back to when you got a job at that law firm, and then you were like, this is not at all what I was expecting. What made you want to start a travel and lifestyle blog? Because I feel like typically this was in, this was prior to 2017, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So blogs were still kind of like it was just rising, you know, social media was just rising. 
or like having that as a career was very new still. What, how did you think about like starting a travel and lifestyle blog? Oh, I loved it. I actually had a, a blog since uh, the beginning of law school. So my goodness, like 2014. So for a very long time, and I always loved writing. I've always been a journaler. So it was just like a natural progression. And just being able to share, especially my travel experience, I want to share that with other people, share like you know, really fun places to visit while you're in a certain city. So it was just natural. Like I just always loved writing. And when I discovered blogging, I was like, oh yeah, like I definitely want to do this. And I want to continue to do this as an outlet while in law school. Yeah. And I, I totally feel that because that's how I got into my industry. It was like I was blogging okay. while I was in my pre-med journey. And then similar to you, I was like, oh, this can be a job. Like this can turn into, I can be in this industry. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So from there, you went and ventured into like IP law. Mm-hmm. Did you go straight into building your business or starting your business or did you go to another law firm first? I went straight in and that was that was part of the decision. I remember before I resigned, I said I can either continue working for another law firm, like, you know, go to another law firm or start my own thing. And that was always my dream. I always dreamt of owning something. And at the time when I was at the firm, I was like, you know, one day I'm going to have my own law firm. I didn't know what it would be for, but I'm going to have my own law firm. And when I resigned, I was like, this is my opportunity. Again, I can either work for someone else or do my own thing. And I said, this is the time because I don't have any kids. I'm not married. I don't have a mortgage. Like I have barely any responsibilities. So this is the time to take this big risk. And I did. Zara's initial dive into special education law was not a typical career choice but stemmed from a deeply personal family experience. This highlights how personal life events can significantly influence professional paths. Her shift away from special education law underscores a common professional realization. The day-to-day realities of a job may differ vastly from its idealized conception. This insight is particularly relevant in law, where noble pursuits can be hindered by systemic inefficiencies. Her story is a candid look at the dissonance between professional ideals and practical challenges. What was that like? Like, do you remember that day of when you decided, okay, we're going to do this? Did you, I wonder, okay, the serious question, I wonder if you filed the LLC first and then you were like, let's go, or you're like, let's just play around with this and then file the LLC when you felt like this is going to be a real thing. That's a really good question. So I remember the day day that I resigned. I'm happy to share a little bit more about that. So I remember walking into the partner's law firm, his office, and, you know, I thanked him. I was like, thank you so much for this opportunity. You know, I've learned so much. I've grown so much, but, you know, I realized that this is not for me. And I told him, I, I knew by the time I resigned, I knew that I wanted to do intellectual property law. So I told him, I was like, I'm going to venture into intellectual property. Like I am very passionate about it. I'm already like helping other like influencers in terms of like what to do. And he was just like, to thy own self be true. I will never forget those words. And that was my first like post in terms of like me announcing my law firm. Like those words will always stick with me. And I really appreciate that he told me that. So from there... I took some time in terms of like how I was going to plan out my business. So yes, my first step was forming an LLC or PLLC, Professional Limited Liability Company. I, I remember I ha- hired someone to do a business plan for me. I had like my, my client contracts in place. So yeah, I did take the legal steps, of course. But yeah, I remember that day that I resigned so, so vividly. <laughs> yeah. And that's such an awesome experience that you had with your boss, right? In a way where it's like he was... He propelled he, she, 
he, yeah, he, he propelled you towards that decision and just like, I, I love that saying that he gave. I feel like if I went up to my manager at the time who that the company that I left, mm-hmm. that was not the experience at all. It was like, you can't take any of our clients. You know, that was like kind of the experience that I had. Um, but I imagine like if I had a similar experience as yours, it would be, it would just excite me. It would motivate me. It would make me feel like really confident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you find clients? Through social media referrals. I had no background in advertising, marketing, none of like none of it. I had no idea what I was doing, but I said, you know what? I have my phone. I had I have Instagram. I'm just going to use my my network and just start posting educational content. I was like, if I post educational content, this will help people or you know, one of my colleagues or friends or family, maybe they'll just share it with someone who needs my help. So I started posting on Instagram and on Facebook. Those are the two platforms and literally I just started getting people who who I knew. They said, "Oh, I'm starting a business. Can you help me?" That's literally how it started. And then it's just been our business right now is primarily based off of referrals, but it started literally from then, from 2017 on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> it was very scary. But I was like, you know what? Like, I like, you know, I, I, it's like I have a pretty nice style in terms of like my graphics. Like, I can make this look nice and I'll just share like educational content. So <laughs> that's, that's it's literally <laughs> Oh my gosh if only it's that easy now <laughs> i know oh my gosh yes thank god i started back then <laughs> right, right exactly so okay so you posted you decided you filed everything you went through all those legal steps and then yeah. you posted a few posts how soon was it until you got your first client pretty fast even yeah. before i launched on social media i had told friends and i had a really good friend she uh, is currently still or still a singer songwriter and she needed help with copyrights. So I, she was my first client. So just literally through word of mouth. And it was pretty fast. Like, again, before I launched, I just told friends and they are coming to me in that way. Yeah. Zara's journey of realizing that intellectual property law was her true calling is an inspiring example of professional self-discovery. The phrase, to thine own self be true, encapsulates a powerful message about the importance of authenticity in one's career. Her transition to intellectual property law, influenced by her blogging experience, showcases an innovative blending of legal expertise and personal interests. This represents a broader trend where professionals are increasingly seeking ways to integrate their personal passions with their careers. It's a valuable lesson on the importance of adaptability and finding niches that align with both skills and interests. I also love hearing about her use of social media as a primary tool for client acquisition during the early stages of her business. This is something you should remember. Her strategy of sharing educational content not only demonstrates resourcefulness, but also highlights how providing value can naturally lead to business opportunities. You brought up how, you know, being part of like the New York law space, if you were inside corporate law right now mm-hmm. under someone else's firm especially as a woman of color it proves even more difficulty to like do what you want to do has that translated at all to being a ceo in your own business and growing in your business you know that is an excellent question and i feel like when i first started yes now not so much i don't have no it's 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 different 
but yeah, when I first started, oh my goodness, baby lawyer me, <laughs> I was like, in terms of like, yeah, I don't know how to, how to explain it. I'm trying to think of a, a really good, like situation from, from the past. This is a hard one to talk about now. Now it comes to me <laughs> in terms of pricing. That mm -hmm. was one of my biggest challenges when I first started, especially because we were getting like referrals, like people that I knew. So it could have just been an, an internal thing, but there was definitely like a feeling of having to discount my prices for, you know, like other people of color. And this is such a, now looking back, I'm like, wow, like that was very, a very arrogant way to think because it's like, oh, like, I don't know, you know, what people can afford. Right. But it's like coming from law school when you're, I was literally the only, I was one of two black girls in my law school like class. Yeah. So it's, but it's like a normal thing, right. In like law school, even in law firms, it's a, yeah, it's a very normal thing, seriously. So it's kind of like you want to help, right? You want to help other business owners, especially because when you look at the history of like, you know, especially in social property and social property that has been taken from like major artists, you can think of, you know, very famous artists who've lost, you know, their IP rights because they didn't know how to protect it, et cetera. So it's like that there was a feeling of wanting to make things affordable for people. So that was the biggest thing in terms of having to say no, or people asking me for discounts because I'm, you know, another, another black woman. It's like, oh, like, you know, hook me up because, you know, I know you or I know X, Y, Z. So having to deal with that was very difficult, but in terms of like getting, feeling like, uh, I guess, racist vibes, not necessarily, I would say that in the, in the online space, I did notice that there were definitely gaps, right? In terms of like presenters or people, for example, at like summits or things like that, it was definitely not diverse and not feeling comfortable pitching or reaching out to those types of groups because I, you know, I didn't see anyone else like me. So in that sense, yes. Zara's reflections on her past work experiences shaping her current business ethos offer a valuable lesson. It shows how both positive and negative past professional experiences can influence one's approach to running a business. Her desire to create a positive work environment and client experience based on her past roles is a testament to learning from every opportunity. The discussion about pricing challenges, especially as a woman of color in the legal field, points out the unique challenges minority entrepreneurs often face. If you're a minority entrepreneur, one of the realities you'll have to be aware of is that there will likely be nuanced challenges that you'll have to deal with. However, while it's important to bring awareness to those issues and even work to solve them, don't let them stop or distract you from doing your part and your best. Don't excuse your greatness based on unfair challenges. So then you landed this one client and you had a lawsuit on your hands, not against you, but against your client. Did that happen when that client was already in your roster or was like that client came to you with this situation in mind? She came to this, that's a very good question. Um, she came to us with this situation. Actually, she didn't even tell us. So we may have to edit parts of this out. <laughs> but she's a sweetheart. Like she's she's so she's a diva. Like think of Mariah Carey. She's she's so oh no seriously. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so she came to us after basically saying, Hey, you know, I'm ready to trademark. And we're like, okay, great. So well, you know, we're gonna do the comprehensive search, etc. And then come to find out, she emailed us. She's like, hey, like I've been dealing with these lawyers and they won't leave me alone. I told them like, I own this mark. You know, it's not similar to theirs. Can you take a look? 
we take a look and it's against Elle magazine, their lawyers in Paris. And basically there was a lot of negotiation happening and she didn't tell us any of this. So yeah, so, so basically we had to get on the phone with her uh, lawyers, and, lawyers in Paris and they ended up actually retaining other counsel. So that call was canceled. So they actually hired counsel in New York. They switched law firms and we spoke with their lawyers in New York um and they were saying oh the, her font is very similar i'm sure you can picture the l magazine the font right it's pretty mm -hmm. like pretty famous so mm -hmm. they were saying how the l is very similar to our client's wordmark so our main argument was that her business she's a wedding planner wedding and event planner our main argument was that okay no problem we'll change the font right but in terms of the actual services it's completely different right is l magazine going to go out and plan a plan a wedding Right. That's not an office that service that you offer. They're primarily a fashion, you know, beauty magazine, right? They're not offering that kind of service. They're more so of a product. They're more so a product-based business. So that was the crux of our argument. And we this was dragged out for a year. Finally, one day I'll never forget, we got an email and it said, you know, we are going to send over your settlement, a settlement agreement with you guys. So they finally agreed to settle with us. But it was a huge win, like, you know, after literally a year back and forth, drafting briefs, et cetera, you know, phone calls, finally they agreed to settle with us and they allow our client to keep her name, to keep, to keep her website, but as long as we're not disclosing <laughs> basically what happened because they don't want other people to, you know, to think that they can get away with it or not even get away with it, that they can really, you know, fight back. Yeah. yeah. When you're a famous brand, like you have superior rights. So again, our biggest argument, it makes no sense, right? We can go to court and the judge will definitely rule in our favor. Like you're not offering a similar service at all. Like there's not going to be any confusion. So yeah. Yep. No, and that makes sense. And me hearing you kind of share and I'm like, oh yeah, if I was on the other side, I would be like, we're not fighting this. Let's just settle. Right. Right. We shouldn't even have sued, I think, in my opinion, <laughs> but I'm not a lawyer, right? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, yeah, it's a good, even a good question to ask, right? Because mm -hmm when you're a famous mark or well-known brands, like that's your, it's your duty to police your trademark. So that's what they're doing. Anyone who's trying to register any variation of L, they'll just send, the, send them a letter. Mm -hmm. They don't even pay attention to see, to look at the services. So they're just mm -hmm. sending you a letter. <laughs> and yeah. if you're a business, you're scared, right? You're like, oh my gosh, like Elle Magazine's coming after me. But when, yeah. when you really look at the details, like there's no similarity here. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you are sitting here saying that so confidently, right? And I'm sure it was <laughs> sense. What was going through your mind during this process? Was it like A plus B equals C, kind of how you're sharing it now? Or any imposter syndrome kept in? Like what what was the behind the scenes of like CEO Zara instead mm -hmm. of like lawyer Zara? That's a great question. I don't know if imposter syndrome is the word. It's more so like, oh my gosh, like I want to have like 15 years of experience under my belt. So maybe that is, I guess, imposter syndrome. Like it's like, I want to make sure that I'm not prejudicing my client. And it's funny because we actually had conversations with two other more experienced lawyers and they didn't want to take the case. So I go, no, like it's similar. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? So in the end, like, and she's so, our, our client is so appreciative. Like she appreciates us so much because like we believe it's the case. And at a certain point, like I literally had like a switch turn on. I'm like, no, like I know that we're right. I know that we're going to win this. And we did. So, yeah. So it's like, mm -hmm. I did have a little bit of like worry. It's like, oh my gosh, like again, like I don't want to make sure that I'm not like going to like mess up her case kind of like feeling. But yeah. once like I spoke to the other attorneys, two other law firms, 
And like, I, I just did my research. I just knew like, hey, no, like, and I'm a very strong writer. That's one thing I'm very confident about. Like, I know how to write. So it's like, I know I got this. <laughs> and then we were right. Like, and I would never, I would, I would have never taken her case. Like if I wasn't confident that we would have, you know, been successful. Zara's experience here provides an intriguing glimpse into the complexities of intellectual property law, particularly when it involves high-profile entities like Elle magazine. Zara's initial hesitation and self-doubt, despite strong legal grounds for her client's case, resonates with professionals in all fields who face imposter syndrome. Her journey from uncertainty to confidence upon deeper research and consultation underlines the importance of self-trust and thorough preparation in overcoming self-doubt. And what was that like throughout the year of you having an idea with back and forth, but also simultaneously growing your business? It was a lot, but luckily I had my husband. He wasn't on our team full time, but he would still help. So having him help us was really, really helpful. But yeah, it's just, I had to, you know, take my, take, or excuse me, schedule time out to like draft briefs, you know, do my research, things like that. But it was, it was relatively manageable, believe it or not. So <laughs> it felt, it wasn't, it wasn't unmanageable it wasn't crazy so having yeah. help was really helpful mm. actually let's segue into that so your husband just joined your fir- your firm yes that's so exciting <laughs> thank you i know that's been like a dream of both of yours what was the early conversations of that were there any like hesitations any concerns prior to making the decision <laughs> oh yeah it was definitely a dream of ours, literally since college. Like Sean has always, he's a lawyer's lawyer. He's always wanted to be a lawyer. I actually wanted to go to medical school. So I was on the pre-med track for a while, not for a while, for like until my sophomore year. And then I switched gears, but he always wanted to um, you know, be a lawyer. And in, in college, you would joke about like having our own law firm together and using our last names. My last name is, uh, my maiden last name is Watson. And then my gosh, fast forward to where we are now. When I left in 2017, we were we were dating, and he was my biggest supporter. He also was like, you know, now's the time. Like, if you're gonna start your own law firm, like this is the time to do it. And then we kind of we thought about like joining forces. Like, I think that was like, you know, like yes, maybe it will happen one day. But like the way I positioned our law firm was definitely very feminine. So like if you go back, <laughs> my stuff, Lucy, is very very female focused. So I think that was a challenge now in our transition because, you know, for five years, like I've been marketing to just women. All of our content is like, you know, women empowerment for, you know, forget the patriarchy kind of thing. So that on the page. Yes, yes. So that's been a big um, transition for us now in terms of like, you know, our brand voice, like who who our target audience is. And I don't want to lose that because I've shared so much of my personal story on my, our current Instagram. We, We changed the name. To Watson and Young. So I think there were there definitely were a lot of hesitations in terms of like how our clients would, you know, receive that, right? It's like, oh my gosh, like wow, like there's a, a male now, you know, handling my case or et cetera. It's, it's a different type of energy. So having to teach him like our tone, our brand, you know, our brand voice in terms of like how we communicate with clients, it's okay to, to use exclamation marks, <laughs> like little things like that. That's been uh, as silly as that sounds, that's been like a change for us and even in our marketing it's it's different but it's a good change right it's like we are building like a legacy we have a daughter so mm-hmm. it, it's just a dream right and it, we're just thinking about long term and it's the direction that I do want our firm to go in so we're still going to serve that same client base but we're expanding right so yeah that's that's i can i can resonate with that dream 
my husband and I, you know, I think I've mentioned this to you before, like he has his own thing going on and every now and then we'll like cross paths and I'll like, just the other day, he was like, do you want to come on? Like, you can be like our fractional CMO. (laughs) I'll be your last choice. Well, if you can't find anyone else that fits the mold, I'll, I'll be there (laughs) because we know our dynamics, but what has that dynamic been like with you for starting the business and with him coming in? And I'm even curious to hear like the, if you don't mind sharing like this behind the scenes or the thought process of like changing the name, because I know, I think I had started following you right before you were about to make the change in your, in your handle. Yeah. Yeah, tell us about that. Oh, that was so hard. <laughs> it was. I was like, oh my gosh. It's literally, I felt like I was losing an identity, to be honest with you. But in terms of like our roles now, so I'm still like the founder. Um, I'm definitely still the CEO in terms of like our systems. Like I know all that stuff, you know, from the back of my hand. So I can't let that go. But in terms of networking and litigation matters, negotiation, that is Sean's strength and expertise. So that's actually where in the world that he's coming from. He's a litigator. He litigates or he used to litigate, my God, like 10, 15 cases a day. Like he's a beast. I'm, I'm not even kidding. So that's his strength. <laughs> so yeah, so I, in terms of like that, so client relations, networking, like he's a, he's a great like networker and a great communicator. And that's one thing that we want to definitely bring out more in our marketing, but he's still behind the scenes. So yeah. And we're also still defining his role, if that makes sense. So it's like, I'm still like very much so, you know, again, CEO, still very much so front facing when it comes to our marketing. So we're still trying to define those roles, but like in terms of who's the, the main litigator and negotiator that is Sean's. And we we have a lot of disputes. And I don't think you may not know about that. We don't really advertise a lot, but we do handle a lot of, a lot of disputes. So he is our front facing for that. This conversation about integrating Zara's husband into the law firm reveals the complex dynamics of merging personal and professional lives. This move demonstrates a significant shift not only in the business model, but also in personal roles and relationships. How do couples navigate the intersection of their professional ambitions and personal commitments? And then there is the process of rebranding for an audience and also establishing roles in the company. Zara mentions that at a certain point, she felt like she was losing part of her identity. This is a relatable experience for many entrepreneurs who go through significant transitions. It's a candid look at the emotional aspects of evolving a business that has been closely tied to personal identity. What does that look like where, so you're, you're pregnant, you're just entered your second semester. I know that you are wanting to be hands off or like starting that leave mm-hmm. pretty much March-ish, right? Yeah. yeah. April. How does that make you feel? Nervous. I love what I do. I love, I, I, I'm always working. <laughs> so it's like, and I don't, I don't know how to put it. I don't look at it always as work, right? It's like when you're doing the visionary stuff, that's fun. So it's, it's going to be hard. Even that right now, you know, I'm, I'm recovering from a cold and even that's been hard to like cancel things or like take time off to do things. So it, it is going to be a big change. And when I had my, my, my daughter, my first daughter, we were in a, we are in a very different position from where we were, you know, two and a half years ago. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a change, but yeah, we have help. We have, you know, paralegal now and who's incredible. So she's, it's going to be three months next month. 
So I'm actually planning on having a conversation with her in terms of like taking more initiative, like, you know, just really just taking the reins on certain things because mm-hmm. we have to start planning for that, right? So right. Even hiring someone else, that's, a, that's a, a big goal of mine as well before I go on maternity leave. So mm-hmm. we shall. <laughs> yeah, and I was just going to yeah. ask, because I know that was something on your kind of accountability list to have by um, April. What are some of the steps that you're taking right now to make sure that your business is like ready for your departure for the next for like I say departure but really like just yeah yeah absence for for three or four months or whatever it is that's a really good question so this past year we hired someone to do SOPs and really just tighten up our system so I that's one thing I'm super grateful for 2022 I'm just having all that stuff in place and that's helped me a lot in terms of you know onboarding um chance she's our paralegal um, and then any new hires. So I think if anything, it's going to be refining those SOPs um, and having then my next hire, I would love that person to be able to take um, sales, call, sales calls for us. So really, I have an SOP for that. So really like, have, you know, uh, refining that, practicing with that person, even for me, like making sure like most of what I want said on that call is, you know, is, is what I want people to say. <laughs> so I think in terms of steps, that's really what we're doing. We're finding our systems, our processes. Even Sean, he's going to have to take over a lot of those sales calls for us. So that's also preparing him for that. And also I do, right now I'm still doing a lot of team management. So handing that off to him, like teaching him how to do that because we work with other contractors. It's not only our paralegal. So showing him (laughs) how to handle that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You sound like such a, Superwoman, oh, <laughs> you're doing like having a toddler and then pregnant. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I can't, can't imagine. That's amazing. Let's see. Okay, this question is so I've always been every now and then I'll think about like, what would it be like if I took a director of marketing role or like a CMO role and like climb the corporate ladder? Mm-hmm. Imagine with you being in New York, right, and having this like hustle and bustle feel and being a lawyer has that ever crossed your mind of like maybe being a part of like top law firms in New York instead of running your own you mean like working for another law firm like is that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I guess climbing that corporate ladder not for me <laughs> I knew I even at the law firm I was I was in before like I knew that wasn't I was like I'm this is just not for me. <laughs> I have to do my own thing. Um, yeah. Especially when it comes to corporate law firms, they are, it's, I'm sure you've heard stories. It's very brutal, especially for a woman, a woman of color and a mom, right? It's not easy. A lot of people, they don't, they don't, they don't work, especially for big law firms for a very long time because it's just so strenuous, so draining and the partners, they don't understand, like you're working at all hours of the night. So it's just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And I knew, and I knew that. And I knew that I never wanted to, to go that route. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'd rather create my own. We're gonna be we're gonna become the top law firm for intellectual property in New York. <laughs> That's how. I'm yes. Oh my gosh, you already have way better branding than. <laughs> where is Where is Watson and Young headed in like the next five years? Having a permanent physical location, like a brick and mortar. That is our dream somewhere in the city. We're in Queens. So we're about 30 minutes outside of the city. 
So yeah, it's Sean and I talk about it all the time. We have our Pinterest board. Like that is a dream of ours to have an actual like headquarters. Yeah. Um, and we haven't thought about expanding like out of state, but definitely like New York. That would be like our, you know, again, our flagship, our headquarters and just expanding our reach, having courses. We've been very hesitant to have a course on trademark law specifically mm-hmm. because for us, it's, we, it just feels a little unethical because there's so many nuances in the process. Mm-hmm. And it's very tricky in terms of, you know, class, I don't know if you've trademarked, but like the classifications or things like that. Mm-hmm. It's a little tricky. So we've been mm-hmm. trying to find a way to make it ethical. But for now, I think what we would do is kind of like a legal foundations course, you know, what you need, like, you know, any information, your contracts, you know, intellectual property, things like that. So definitely a course. We already have our contract template shop, which has been a blessing to have. Yes, it's been passive. We do not, I no longer market it. You, you haven't heard me talk about it. I used to market it. I don't anymore, which 2023 probably will start. Whole separate story. So we, what I'm trying to say is that we have, you know, a few things in place now, but in terms of like trying to expand our impact, right? So we have our contract templates, having a legal foundations course. We have, oh my gosh, so many blog posts, increasing our um, free lead magnets, things like that, just to, you know, help more people. And then one day maybe having some sort of trademark course, just doing it the right way, which makes it feel good. Because we've been in business for, you know, I've been doing this for five years. So it's like, by the time that I do launch it, like I know that it's like, it's going to be very reputable because I've taken so long to actually make it. So. Yeah, no, I agree. Actually, let's talk about that a little bit. So what has, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on like the online industry. You know, I know that from your stance and what you get to do, it's easy to kind of distinct what is ethical and what isn't ethical or like how to get involved things in an ethical way. But what is like, what are some, if you have had them like hard thoughts that you've had about the industry since being on being in the industry it's funny I, I feel like i've seen it change in terms of a marketing perspective like when i was on it there were no there were no instagram stories <laughs> it was just like people just posting pictures you know and video content that was like very rare so i've definitely i'm grateful to have seen that progression but in terms of online um you know business owners and just the industry or the space in general it's the wild wild west you have to be very careful the service providers you're hiring. I cannot tell you how many contract disputes we handle of people paying service providers and, and they ghost clients. Like I'm, we're doing one right now. And it's just- That happens very things. often? Very often, yes. Oh, very wow. often. Or coaching services, clients will hire a coach for like, a, they'll do like a 12 month container. Mm-hmm. They breach the contract, they disappear. Oh my gosh. As a service provider, I'm like, I'm going to bed at night, taking someone's money and not doing anything and ghosting them, you know? It's it's insane, but it happens. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think you have to be very careful, you know, doing your due diligence. And, you know, it's in, especially on Instagram, right? Like people are posting like their highlight reels. So you have to be very careful with, with that, with marketing, right? Like doing, again, doing your due diligence, getting referrals, seeing testimonials, really just really doing your digging before you purchase because you just never know, right? Zara's nervousness surrounding her upcoming maternity leave is relatable for many female professionals. The challenge of stepping back from work you love and the uncertainty of how an absence might impact your business. However, Zara took the necessary steps to delegate and hire new staff. This is a difficult task in itself 
but it reflects a proactive approach to business continuity. This is an excellent example of how forward thinking can ensure stability and growth, even in times of personal transition. But of course, you wouldn't have to make these decisions if you worked a corporate job instead of being an entrepreneur. Zara's reflection on why she chose entrepreneurship over a corporate law career provides insight into the trade-offs and decisions faced by many professionals. And while she chose entrepreneurship, know that it's not for everyone. If you're hearing her story and you have doubts that this is the pathway for you, that's okay. Sit with that and try to make informed decisions before you leap full on into entrepreneurship. Yes, to your point. So I was just thinking about how recently a lot of trademark attorneys have like shown up on my feed. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that there were so many in the industry. <laughs> I was like, oh, three or five, you know? Yeah. But, uh, no, there's like tens. 20s. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I'm saying ever since I started, it's a newer thing. And I was looking at into that, but go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So something that I realized is you have done a really great job, or I noticed is you've done a really great job at establishing a brand of integrity and like being super clear in that, being super clear in like just your, your guys' professionalism. Like it feels like, like you're serving the online industry, but in a way where it feels I don't mean this in a bad way, like a corporate law, but like gentle corporate law, right? Like it's like, we know we'll be taking care of you. That's my goal. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's very evident. What, what's been the key to that? What do you feel like attributes to that? You know, it's, that's a really good question. And it's honestly from my past work experiences, not necessarily from the online space, because joining the online space, I kind of wanted to be a more approachable like law firm and I feel like that's one thing that I don't know like, I don't know how that comes across because we want to be very professional and, and I'm so happy you said that because you want people to feel like you know we are like legit like we're gonna take care of you and we are professional so that's been a, a struggle when it comes to marketing especially on Instagram but it comes from my past work experiences I when I first graduated from college I worked at the most incredible place Chelsea I call it Disneyland like it was a private not even it was not but the way they treated us it was like the best place to work it was a private nonprofit and they were doing autism research and the founders were just incredible like it was my first it was the first time I ever saw an SOP and I didn't realize it at the time I was a receptionist and they're like Zara can you document you know XYZ for us I'm like okay sure and looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, like I was doing like SOPs and they had like amazing team building activities. We had like performance reviews. They would take everyone on trips, literally it's like incredible islands. Everyone, they had a beautiful like lunchroom for us. We were, we were able to order our lunch on their tab. And it was just like, I can go on and on. Like there were so many, so many amazing perks. And I said, wow, whenever I start my own business, I want it to be like this. After that. When I had my, I had a, a law firm internship, it was night and day, a nightmare. <laughs> they had no systems, you know, it was just the worst place to work. And then I worked for the, my most uh, law firm that I worked for prior to starting my law firm. They had no systems. Every man was for themselves, basically a woman was for themselves. I had to literally figure out everything on my own. And I said, never again. Like whenever I start my own thing, like I want it to be like done professionally in terms of a system standpoint. And I want my clients to know that I care about them and like that we are here to get them, you know, results. Right. But in a, I want them to have a great experience. 
So I think the experience piece was, has always been a big thing for me. And that stemmed from that private nonprofit. So, and the other, and the other bad experiences that I had. So those experiences definitely shaped, you know, who we are today as a firm. And also in terms of the online space, like, you know, there, as you can see, there are a lot of different trademark attorneys, but it's like, I've always wanted to be like, almost like a big law firm, but like the big law firm vibe, but like still very approachable in terms of like our um, professionalism. I want people to know that this is serious. Like we take this very seriously. So I definitely get that vibe. (laughs) Thank you. I love that you shared that because what comes to mind or what I'm hearing is like, it comes from the top down. Mm -hmm. CEOs were very attentive to your, the team founders were very like caring and you're doing the same to your team and you're making it, it shows in like every aspect of your business, including your marketing and including your messaging. So that's such a, such a good point to bring on. I would say, I feel like I can't help but not talk about this in terms of like protecting your brand, protecting your business, not only through trademarking. I feel like a lot of business owners, they like really delay that and I get it, right? It's like, you want to focus on everything else. Legal is not fun. I understand. <laughs> But yeah. it's like, you know, I think it's just so important to really get the foundations in place, having the entity formation to protect you from liability, having your contracts. I cannot mm-hmm. tell you, Chelsea, like the experienced business owners that we work with and their contracts, you know, they're not, they're not done properly. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, right? If you know that, it's like, make sure that it's done correctly yeah. <laughs> at some point, you know, protecting your intellectual property, especially as a person is marketing online it's super important right again the internet is a wild wild west protect what you are creating so yes brand protection is very very important (laughs) i i love it you're such a such a natural trademark (laughs) lawyer (laughs) i can't be on here and not talk about talk about it (laughs) don't worry it's it'll be there (laughs) so Totally resonate with that. What do you feel like is, what would you say for someone if like, let's say babies are 2.0 came up to you and was like, this is just, this is what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> what would be your response? Yeah, I would say to keep going. Don't definitely do not let that stop you. This is something, it's funny. I had this conversation recently and someone was telling me they're like, I'm, they're nervous about marketing. And I was like, at the end of the day, it's like, not about you, right? It's like, what is your mission? What is your end goal? Who are you serving? Right. It's like, you have to focus on that and know that those people, like they'll go away, right? Your mission is bigger than, than that. I don't know how, how else to explain it. It's like, it hurts when those things happen to you, or maybe it'll make you feel uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, it's like your mission is way bigger than that. Like, know, like, in a, in a sense, like, know your worth, like, know what you've done in the past, like, you know, remember your client wins, remember the impact that you've had, because again, like, that is worth so much more, <laughs> right? Like, helping someone or like, help, for example, in my situation, helping like a, a business owner own their trademark is just so much more like, impactful and powerful than having some, you know, douchebag say something, you know, racist or having, you know, to feel that you have to be a certain way to make certain people like you. It's just not, it's just not worth it, right? Like remember like the bigger vision, the bigger mission that you're here to serve. And it's like, you know, it, over time you'll be able to overcome that, right? With, with your experience, you're gonna feel confidence. I hope that answers your question, but that's kind of like how I've had to deal with it in a way. It's like, I remember when I first started, 
a digital law firm in 2017. Like what? Like I remember I went to an alumni networking event in the city and I was telling people what I was doing. And I was, again, the very, like very, I think one of, you know, very few black women in the room just in general. And when I spoke to another, another, a few other lawyers who were not you know, people of color, they looked at me and they were just like, okay, that's great. You know, like, you know, okay, great little girl, like <laughs> go somewhere else. Yeah. So I, if I had, I let that stop me, you know, I would not be where I am today. I wouldn't have helped the business owners that I helped. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's hurtful, but your mission is way bigger than that. And you will like you're over time. You're going to build that confidence. Like now I don't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like amazing. Yeah. I cannot wait to get to that point. <laughs> I love what you said when you're like, it's not about you. That's so true. It's, it is not. Yeah. And it and it's so much harder. I will admit, like it's harder to think about that in the moment, right? Like you just want to wallow and you're like annoyance, anger, frustration. Yeah. But truthfully, it's like you're wanting to do this to create impact for other people. So it's not about you. You just have to put those blinders on and like keep going. Even in the sense of the person who said it to you, right? It's not about you. It's them. Like they're dealing with something like who says, you know, like why mm-hmm. not to say something negative to you? Like yeah. that, that just goes to show it's really not you. It's that person. Right. So that helps as well. I and I've had to build that over time. <laughs> Practice. Totally practice. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. I was just thinking about how I had a conversation with my husband a couple of weeks ago. He's right now in his funding stage for his startup. Mm-hmm. And he's been, I swear, like I could never run a tech startup. I could never rip or I could, I just wouldn't go through like investments and like investor and stuff like that. Yeah. But they, it's like nose after nose after nose. And I'm like, how? Do you not give up after hearing so many no's to fund this idea? And then he went to this one event, this like tech startup event in Atlanta and ran into um, this VC fund that, or this partner of a VC fund predominantly for black founders. Wow. And from there, like he's been met with no's or like you're too early or this is too risky or all these different things. And the moment he met this person, she immediately linked up with him, put him on his schedule, connected him with all of these other VC funds in the area that are specifically for Black founders and like moved mountains. I love that. Just to make him like be in the running. And now he's the furthest he's ever been. Like he's on the very, very last round of the due diligence and of like the data room. And so it's like, he is so close. And he was talking about how he attributes this to like the, of just focusing on like, instead of focusing on all of the no's or all of the judgments or all of the like lacks, he's like focusing on how a fellow black founder and supporter is like, helping him like just lifting him up and he wants to continue to do the same but he can't continue to do the same if he like sits there and like thinks about all those no's and like wallows in it I agree that's amazing I love that yeah business is hard business is hard (laughs) and you will hear no's right that's just part of the of the the journey um someone once told me if you keep hearing no then you're talking to the wrong people 
which I really like. <laughs> and I think that's very true, right? It's like there is someone out there for everyone. Um, yeah. And you're bound to find to find your people, right? To find your community, the people who vibe with you, who support you, who believe in what you're doing. So yeah, hold up until you find those people. Yes. <laughs> Talking to Zara about her journey, we take away several lessons involving crucial themes such as the importance of brand integrity, professionalism, and the challenges of being a woman of color in a competitive field. This discussion not only highlighted Zara's achievements, but also touched on broader industry and societal issues. Issues that you will likely run into, so it's imperative that you take the lessons in life of Zara and use it as one of your many textbooks on this journey. I want to thank Zara for sharing her inspiring story, and I hope you take advantage of it. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We couldn't have done it without the hard work and dedication of our amazing team. A special thanks to Kimberly and Brandon for their incredible scripting and quality checking skills. Andrew for his exceptional audio design, and Addie for our outstanding graphics and marketing support. And of course, a huge thanks to our guests for sharing their passion and story with us today. Be sure to check out the show notes for an exclusive blog interview with our guest, as well as links to support them in their business. And don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast on your social media stories. We appreciate your support and can't wait to bring you more great content in the future. Thanks again for listening.